when the shooting started, people started scattering. There were five people murdered in open court that morning. The judge dead, the sheriff dead, the Commonwealth attorney dead, all these jurors that was wounded and dead. It was a tragedy. Uh, most of the newspapers called it a massacre. It was front page news on papers all the way to California. Until the Titanic sank and knocked it off the front pages. And that still to this day remains as the most egregious crime to occur during an open court proceeding in the history of the United States. They'll make a movie on this. This will be as big as the Hatfield and McCoy's ever dared to be. It's been over a hundred years, but people are still talking about what happened in the Carroll County Courthouse that day. The echoes of the gunfire have long since disappeared, but the wounds left behind in this quaint little town of Hillsville, Virginia, have continued to fester. The political drama that led to the shooting has divided families for generations. Some say the shootout was self-defense, others murder. Many of the questions surrounding that day have yet to be answered. I'm Chad Tucker. This is 57 Shots in 90 Seconds, the Carroll County Courthouse Shootout. Today, Hillsville is much like any small southern town, but in 1912, it looked more like the scene of an old western movie. Everybody carried a gun for the most part. And, uh, you know, you had to. People were mean in those days. If you look at some of the old records, I mean, you know, there were murders every week. People think it's bad now. It was worse in those, in those days. Well, in 1912, you know, the, this, the Civil War, you know, has is, is been you know, less than 50 years. Uh, the Civil War, um, you know, it, it's, um, you still have that mentality. Hi, I'm Mark Harmon. I grew up here in Carroll County. Uh, I've lived here practically all my life. Uh, I'm a history teacher. I've taught history at Carroll County High School, half a mile away for 27 years. I'm uh, a board member of the Carroll County Historic Society, and my, and my love and passion is, is history uh, and trying to preserve history and continue the legacies of the past. And um, to survive in Carroll County in, in um, in 1912, in the early 1900s, you had to be industrious. You had to work hard, you had to protect yourself. You had to be tough or you didn't survive. And if you do have trouble, your family would come and help you. Uh, if you're hurt, if you have something going on, your family comes to help you because that's all the support you have. And then there are the politics. Being a little bit of a history buff uh, and looking into this quite a bit, I, I, I keep learning more things. That's Frank Levering. He grew up in Carroll County. He's done extensive research on the tragedy. In fact, he's written several plays about it. I, I really believe now, uh, after about 10 years of researching all this stuff, that politics was crucial to what happened. There was a tremendous, I think, amount of tension in Carroll County uh, about whose side you were on. Were you a Republican or were you a Democrat? because there was, there was a long history of conflict between these two sides. And the leaders of those two sides were Clerk of Court Dexter Goad and local businessman Floyd Allen. Floyd Allen was a Democrat, and uh, 
He was a staunch Democrat and kind of the leader of the Democratic faction below Fancy Gap Mountain. Floyd had a brother named Sidna, who was also a wealthy businessman and political leader in the county. But the county was run by Republicans. And Dexter Goad, better known as Deck, was the leader of the local Republican Party. You know, Deck Goad and the, the Republican machine here was starting to get juiced up um, after the war, Civil War was over, uh, the Republicans were starting to take control. Uh, they were starting to come into power. And you see the very worst of uh, what men are capable of doing when they're fighting for power and attempting to maintain their power. Both Goad and the Allens were known to use their political influence for personal gain. And I think the, uh, they were probably operating on the fringe of the law at times, to say that nicely. On the day of the shootout, Floyd Allen was on trial for an altercation he had two years earlier with a Carroll County deputy. For more on that, we go to a man who is an expert on the subject. Uh, my name is Ron Hall, and I'm a local historian. I'm a retired engineer, uh, written fairly extensively on the tragedy and uh, also uh, did a lot of lecturing on it some years ago. In December of 1910, the two Edwards brothers who were Floyd and Sidney's nephews, or their, their sister, Alberta, uh, she'd married John Jasper Edwards who died in 1903 and she was a poor woman and so all the brothers stepped in to help raise these boys. And uh, two of them, the two oldest, uh, Wesley and uh, Sidney, uh, were kind of rough individuals, and by the time they had gotten to the age they were when the shootout happened, they were moonshiners. That was their occupation. Well, in December of 1910, they went to a corn chucking at uh, their uncle's house. And the tradition was, uh, if you are shucking this corn and you find a red ear of corn, you get to kiss the girl of your choice. Well, Wesley found a red ear of corn and he kissed this girl, Clementine McCraw, who had a boyfriend, William Thomas, and Thomas didn't appreciate it. And they had a few words, but uh, uh, Wesley's uncle stepped in and wouldn't let him do anything there at, the, at this event. But the next morning, uh, the two Edwards boys were at church and uh, Thomas and a couple of his friends showed up and they called Wesley out and uh, they jumped him. and. Uh, so his brother heard the commotion and he ran outside and uh, Wesley's brother was older and larger and pretty rugged individual. And they handled these three guys in uh, pretty short order. Uh, during Sometime during the melee, a gun was fired. Uh, they said it was Wesley who did it. A rock was thrown, which hit a, a girl bystander. Uh, and so... Uh, this all happened at church. This all happened at church. <laughs> and it made enough noise to where it broke up church services. Well, uh, the Thomas boy's father pressed charges and against the two Edwards boys, and they had seven felony indictments against them, you know, attempted murder, maiming, uh, and disturbing church worship, and I don't know what all. Well, uh, they heard about it, and they went to their Uncle Floyd and asked him what, uh, what they should do, and he recommended that they go down across the state line and matter and get jobs, and he would straighten it all out here, and so they did. Well, in, uh, in April, uh, 
the Carroll County authorities had gotten a little irritated and found out where the, the boys were, and uh, they sent a deputy, Thomas Samuel, to uh, go down to North Carolina and meet the sheriff of Surrey County at the state line, and he was supposed to arrest them and bring them back to Carroll County. And uh, they picked up the boys at the state line, and but he only had one set of handcuffs. And so he handcuffed uh, Wesley and he tied the other one uh, in the back of the buggy, and they set off back to Carroll County. Now, there were several roads back to Carroll County, the best of which would have gone up uh, the old uh, Ward's Gap Road. It's still in existence today, but it's now it's a dirt road. Uh, but instead, uh, Samuel took the what is now Route 52, which was known as the Fancy Gap Road, which uh, was the worst road. And it was about a five-hour trip just to go up the mountain with a, a wagon and some horses. And uh, the worst thing about it was is it passed by the homes of five of the Allen brothers. And so everyone figured that uh, they were kind of trying to rub it into their faces. Well, they got all the way to the top of the mountain in front of Sidney Allen's house, and he had a store across the road from his house, and uh, they met Floyd. Floyd was on his horse, and he had been to Hillsville and was heading back home. You know, I think Floyd had the ability to, to be really, go from zero to 100 on temper in a snap of a finger. And, uh, it was a character flaw, but, uh, and it ended up, I think, doing him in. That's the voice of Tom Jackson, an attorney and historian, who's done a lot of research on Floyd Allen because he's played Floyd in a play about the shootout. As I went through the first year of that play, there were people that stayed after the play that would come up to me and say, you know, my grandfather knew Floyd and he was the finest man he ever knew and he was a great neighbor and would have done anything for anybody. And then I had folks stay after the play to tell me that he was the biggest SOB that ever walked the earth and was mean spirited and hateful and uh, cruel and had all the characteristics of a, of a really bad guy. So, uh, you know, I kind of came to the conclusion after weighing all that out that I, I think if uh, you didn't cross him and if you were uh, probably a Democrat and and went went along with Floyd with, uh, on a daily basis, he was a good neighbor and, and he liked you. If you crossed him, I think he could be your worst enemy. On this particular day, the Carroll County deputy who had Floyd's nephews in custody fell into the latter category. Here's Ron Hall again. He saw them and when he saw that uh that uh, one of the boys was tied, it upset him. Well, as he passed the buggy, uh, the deputy pulled out a pistol and held it in his lap. And Floyd was a proud individual and had some ego. And so uh, he turned and he ran his horse up in front of the buggy and he stopped it right in front of Sidney's store and told the deputy to turn those boys loose and take them to jail like men, not animals. Well, deputy held up his gun that he had he had a pistol. Floyd snatched it out of his hand and broke it on a rock and proceeded to beat him on the head with it a few times. And uh, so he took the two boys uh, home with him. And this was on a Thursday. And on Monday, he brought them into town and turned them over to the sheriff. And they were tried at uh, what in those days was called a magistrate's court. And uh, one of them was sentenced to 30 days and one was sentenced to 60 days. 
Well, Pink Samuel, or Thomas Samuel, his nickname was Pink because he had a red birthmark on his face. He came to town and he pressed charges against not only Floyd, but his brother Sidna. And Sidna claimed that all he ever did was hold the horses while Floyd uh, was beaten up to deputy. Uh, and against uh, uh, another brother's son who was working in Sidna's store, his name was Barnett Allen. They held court in those days four times a year. And uh, several terms passed and they couldn't get enough witnesses to come and uh, testify against the Allens, either because A, they were afraid of the Allens, and the Allens had a bad reputation for revenge, or B, they liked the Allens, and the Allens were quite popular in some of the county. So, uh, and Samuel, the deputy who had pressed the charges, he ran into Jack Allen, Floyd's brother, on the street out here one day, and uh, Jack asked him, said, why did you charge my son when he had nothing to do with this? And it made Samuels mad, and he said, I've had enough of you, Allens, and he went to draw his pistol. Jack beat him to the draw, stuck the pistol right in his face, and uh, Samuel left the county. He moved to Amelia County and never came back for any of the trials. So uh, come uh, March court of uh, 1912, uh, they finally decided they were going to have the trial, and it started on a Tuesday. But you got to realize the opening day of court was the best cinema movie, uh, the best country store gathering, the best of everything tied into one, because you got to come in here and sit and watch everybody who got in trouble. But according to Tom Jackson, people anticipated this court proceeding to be even more exciting than that. I think the, the environment that was created the day of the shootout was a joint effort. Uh, there, were, there was a lot of electricity in the air that day that was a result of uh, a lot of high energy. We're going to get these guys from the Republican establishment and a lot of high energy from the Allens that, by God, there's no way in the world we're going to put up with this if they try to put us in jail. Floyd Allen was very vocal in the community about his feelings that this trial was politically motivated. He's got a big mouth and a hot temper, and he's going around the community saying, I'll tell you one thing, if they convict me, I'm going to shoot a big hole in that courthouse. And I think for Floyd, being in a jail was something he could not possibly fathom. He was such a, I mean, I think he would have been like a caged animal. Now, people had flocked in here, and this room was a little smaller then than it is today, by about 20 feet. Uh, probably had something just over 100 people in here, standing room only. And you can just see them if they'd had it, popcorn and drinks. And, oh man, this is fabulous. A long standing feud between the Allens and county officials was about to come to a head. Primarily between Dexter Goad, who was the clerk of court, and Floyd Allen. Uh, when Floyd was a deputy, Dexter had done all kind of things to try to get to Floyd, uh, like claiming that Floyd had falsified some expense records whenever he took a deputy, when he took a prisoner somewhere. And uh, conversely, Floyd turned Dexter in for selling uh, illegal liquor that Dexter's father was making. Well, you may remember we said back in those days, everyone carried a gun. Well, they did even to court. You see, the sheriff had gone to the, uh, and, a, and the clerk of court had gone to the judge before the trial started and said to disarm the Allens before the trial. And the judge said, no, that would appear like the state was afraid of them. 
And so he elected to not disarm anybody that day. And so everyone came to court packing. Now, see, the sheriff didn't normally carry a pistol, a little like Andy Griffith. Uh, but on his way to court that morning, he had stopped at his cousin's house to have a shoe tightened on his horse. And the cousin says, uh, you know, says, you better borrow a pistol. Says the Allen's liable to kill you there today. And so he did. He borrowed a 38 automatic, which they were fairly new in 1912. When the jury came back with a guilty verdict, witnesses say Floyd stood up and said, gentlemen, I ain't a going. The clerk of court reached behind him and pulled out a pistol and was holding it behind him. And he winked at the sheriff and Floyd saw it. And that's what made Floyd mad. And he said, gentlemen, I ain't going. And with that, the courtroom erupted in gunfire. On the left side of the room, Sidna and Floyd's son, Claude, were firing their guns. And on the other side, the sheriff and deputies were firing too. People that maintain that this was all arranged and uh, by the Allens or by the county, there, you know, there are people who claim each side had arranged this thing. Well, if they did, I think they arranged it rather poorly because, especially the Allens, because Floyd's in the middle of all this crossfire. Mm -hmm. Probably not a good place to be. We spoke to Ron Hall in the very courtroom where the shootings happened. When the shooting started, people started scattering. Some people ran into that room there, into the judges' chambers back over here. Some went out the windows. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the doors, of which there were two of them, that exited from the back of the room down the steps that you came up, they opened inward. And there was such a crush at the doors, they had trouble getting the doors open. What's amazing to me that so few people were shot. 57 shots in roughly 90 seconds. How, how could it happen that good people come into such sharp conflict that they want to kill each other? And when the smoke cleared, five people would end up dead, seven wounded. But that leads to the real mystery in this story. Who fired the first shot? Everybody wondered about that question. There were probably mm, at least five different versions of who fired the first shot. I don't think anybody will ever know the true story of what happened. Uh, no one will ever know. We get glimpses of it. We all have a hunger to know the truth. We'll dig into that in our next podcast. If you want to see more on the Carroll County Courthouse Shootout, check out our website, myfox8.com. There you'll find interviews and images of the people involved. If you like this podcast, give it a five-star rating. It'll help get the word out. 57 shots in 90 seconds. The Carroll County Courthouse Shootout. Co-written and narrated by yours truly, Chad Tucker. Co-written and edited by David Weatherly. Our executive producer is Kevin Daniels. Music